Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Black Queen's Republic. How are you doing, Asha? I'm doing good, good. Quarantine uh, is still stopped, happening right now. It stopped raining because I'm in Edmonton right now. Mm-hmm. It was raining for like three days straight. Oh god. <laughs> and it was dark and gloomy, so like now the sun has come out. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling much better. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. That's good. How is quarantine treating you? It's been five months and stuff, so. God, I'm fat. <laughs> oh I'm my. Tired. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm tired of being faster. I, don't, I can't. I'm trying to make um, schedules, mm-hmm. and I'm not following it because my mind is like, who cares? You're at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's yeah. hard to stay on top of things and start things out when you're at home all the time. <laughs> Amen to that. I've definitely gotten fatter as well. I've gained 20 pounds. It's Aww. really disgusting. So I started doing a 30-day challenge with my friends. And, um, you know, it's going on well because they keep me accountable. So I'll let oh, you know in good. 30 days what, you know, how everything is going. I'll post my before and afters if I've lost. But if nothing has happened, please don't ask me. Don't even remind me. Don't, don't you dare. Um, but before we get into our topic, we have to do this week's foolishness, as you know. And first up is white people. Um, there is a white woman. I'm not sure which state she's in they almost hit this black lady the white woman proceeds to come out of her car pointing a gun at these people point like this looked like a film guys like it looked like a movie it's trending on twitter like kelani posted it like i don't understand how how is this how is this like 2020 in this life in this day and age where we can have a dispute because you almost run me over and my response is i'm gonna get a gun and point it at you what the fuck who was that for hmm the woman the white people who try to run her over that makes no sense. You're at fault, and then next thing you know, you're pulling out a gun. That makes Pulls no out sense. a... But even if... Even if someone, like, almost hits you by accident, I've never thought, ooh, let me get a gun and shoot them. What? Like, there's Again, no... Every day, every time I... I, I talk about this, I, I really believe it. Like, <clears throat> some white people, they really just see black people, and they're like, okay, I can kill them. Like... No, they don't literally. See us as humans. I say this every episode. They don't, some of them don't see us as humans. Like. Oh my goodness. I don't understand what's going on with white people. Like, can y'all just. Oh my god. Like, I the video shocked me. I couldn't even talk for like five minutes. It didn't, it didn't even seem re- like she's screaming at them. And, and walking as if she's, you know, like in movies, right? When she's like, 
you know go like walking as if she's a cop and like looking at left right like she's acting like a fucking lunatic oh wow like america is the greatest trash bag of a country i just yeah. i i cannot believe i can't believe my whole life we were sold this dumbass idea that it was anything to boast about it's trash how y'all wake it's up in, in the morning yeah. and try to point guns at people yeah they need gun control because any old person can go and get a gun it's From fuck, and only white people black people can't be walking around with guns you see what happened to brianna taylor's boyfriend you see yeah. what happened to philandro castillo that's Black true. people don't get the same, they don't get to have those gun laws applied to them. This is mm-hmm. so whites can protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And I keep saying, like, stop telling Black people to educate. White people know what they're doing. They know what they did. That's why they have these laws. So that when we revolt, they can shoot us. And I don't think that it's our responsibility to teach white people anyway. Like, uh, no, don't put But they already that. know. They already know what they did. They, they're not stupid. They know. Bro, this, this shit pissed me off so bad. And if they don't know, there's Google. There's internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, we live in a day and age where you type something and all the information comes out. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't know, learn. Go on Google. That's it. Yeah. It's... Oh my goodness. I, I just like, I'm in shock. And I shouldn't be, but I am. But um, <clears throat> on to the next thing. Hello, queens. Welcome back. We're continuing with the Truth Is series. And this time around, I'm talking to Asha. This is the realest, realest, realest episode I've done yet. We are sharing our personal stories on how shame has negatively affected our lives. Check it out. I wanted to do this topic because I feel like it's something that is like an underlined issue. Like it's something that like is a part of our lives, but we don't really talk about it. Um, And it shows up in, in our everyday lives and we don't even realize it. So from the time that you're born as a black girl, um i don't know if if this happened to you but from the time i was born my mom started like not born but like honestly by like kindergarten my mom was like braiding my hair perming it um hot combing doing all kinds of things to get it to be quote unquote maintainable Mm. you know she would always be like ah your hair is so because i have thick hair She'll always be like, ah, oh, Jane, your hair is so, like, difficult. You, your hair is so, like, mm-mm. they call it kaweke. Like, it's so rough. She used to be like, your hair is like sisal, which is, like, <laughs> the stuff you use to make baskets. Um, so I grew up just, like, having a perception of my hair that it needed to be different to be, like, good hair. And you always, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if you, there was this thing called Just Me or Just You. It was like a children's relaxer. And oh, yes. I used to see that all the time. Um, 
in the African stores. You know, yeah, they and it had these like two black girls on it. And they're so cute. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, they had like oh, yeah. bangs. <laughs> yeah, no, that like my mom used to put that in my hair. And like for a long time, I had such a negative. I still kind of do. I'm like ashamed mm. of my natural hair color. Like mm. people will. I don't think a lot of people know what my natural hair color is because my hair is always dyed or in braids. Yeah, you're. Is it like dark brown or? It's like a like a light brownish. Like it looks like I have kwashako. Oh. <clears throat> But like, yeah, I've never seen your natural because you dye your hair, yeah. Yeah, and it's because when I look in the mirror and I see my natural hair, I'm like horrified. I don't want to look at it, and it's something oh. that I'm still working through, uh -huh. I guess. But I don't know. <clears throat> and you, you, you can imagine like back in the day, there were a lot of commercials like. You know, like dark and lovely had a relaxer line, and like the 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 idea was that black women's hair had to be straight. It was the in thing at that time. You know, you yeah, had to relax and it's your all hair. TV. Yeah, and it's everywhere. Yeah. Um, and then there was also the issue of colorism. So uh -huh. when I was growing up in Uganda, I went to I started by going to international school. So I went to school with like a lot of white kids, a lot of mixed kids. And so white, mostly Indian, like not that many white kids, but like some white children and then like Indian kids who had like this long, luscious hair. And then, you know, the mixed kids in my school, teachers would always be like, oh, you know, we can't punish the other kids because their skin is delicate i remember hearing what? that a lot yeah you can't punish them because their skin is delicate yeah Bullshit. <laughs> oh my god so they would always beat like the kids that were like my skin tone like dark skinned the racism um, oh my god in in you in uganda by the way like in africa <clears throat> i remember wow. there was this one girl it's, it was like, I think it was like grade five. She would never, she, because our, the requirement for school was like to, when I moved to a different school, it was a private school now. Um, and I, they, they were, you had to shave your head. Everybody had to shave their head. You were not allowed to keep your hair. And this girl, she got to keep her hair because she was half white. And like, you know, teachers always be like, oh, you know, she's she's a half caste. That's what they call them. In, they call mixed people in Uganda. You know, she's a half caste and she has to keep her hair and like she would never get punished. They'd be like, oh, you know, on her body, the marks will show, but you people are black. So it's fine. Oh, my God. The I marks. can't believe this happened in Uganda. Yeah. They used to be like, oh we don't want God. to leave marks on a, on her beautiful skin. And like, it didn't, it didn't like, I'll be honest, at that age, it made sense. You know, of course, I, we were 10 years old, around there, 8 to 10 years old. 
But when, now that I'm an adult, I'm like, that was so fucked up. Like, what is that supposed to mean? Yeah. And, like, you know, growing up, of course, I, I don't want to say that I ever considered bleaching because that didn't happen. Yeah. But I definitely thought my life would have been easier had I been light-skinned. Yeah. Sort of. Like. Yeah. And my. So, yeah. Um, Go ahead. So, I, I grew up here in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember just. Even though I lived in a, na- a neighborhood where it was predominantly uh, people of color, particularly black people, like Somalis. Right. Mm. Um, I I remember like I always thought that beauty was white mm-hmm. because of everything I watch, like all my TV shows I watched as a kid, white characters. My Barbie dolls were white. Um, like everything was white. Mm-hmm. Like, and I remember thinking, oh, I you know I thought that like white and blue eyes. And blonde hair was like the epitome of beauty you know because mm-hmm. that's what was programmed into my brain yeah and then even when i went to school and stuff like your teachers who you look up to and stuff are white people yeah okay so like i had this uh, i had this skewed idea of what beauty was mm-hmm. and so when i looked in the mirror i didn't like what i saw like even as a young kid i'd be like uh like i didn't know that i didn't i was ashamed of like being black basically Mm -hmm. but now that i think about it i didn't like the fact that i was not like light yeah i used to think i used to think like why can't i look like my barbie dolls like i didn't even like i didn't even like like my curly hair I didn't mm. like any of it I just wanted to have like I just and I thought colored eyes was the, the most beautiful thing in the world you know right and like <clears throat> and it's because like you're surrounded by especially when I was growing up in the early 2000s mm-hmm. like you were constantly surrounded by um white and you they, they like stuffed it in your face the commercials white yes. ones yes um, your Barbie dolls. There was like, like, I think there was like two Barbie dolls in a whole Barbie that was like ethnic. See, those Barbies though, didn't even reach Uganda. Like, I had one black Barbie doll. I remember. Yeah. And literally, when I kid you not, she didn't even look black. Yeah. It, it was the white Barbie doll that they just colored dark. Because she didn't look black, no black features, uh, her hair was pinned straight, um, soft, you know, like, it was like, okay, well, I'm, even if I, I did look at that vibe doll, I'd be like, oh, she's beautiful because she has, like, the, the straight white hair features. and, you know, the, the white features and, like, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. But and I think they tried it. <laughs> I mean, I like, guess I mean, they tried, mom. but they didn't really try. Um, I mean, my mom tried it with, like, she probably was looking for that Barbie doll, because it's really hard to find in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Um, no, and, Barbie doll. like, your whole life as a black person, as a black woman especially, you are bombarded by whiteness. 
Like everybody uh-huh. is, but when it comes to the standards of beauty, you are it is like drilled and forced like like white people want to live they want to choke you with whiteness. Uh-huh. You know, and so you grow up just seeing that very image day in and day out, day in and day out. And uh-huh. it's like you actually have to grow up and realize Oh my god i'm i'm hating on myself i need to i need to change the narrative exactly you have to actually decide that oh my god and i still have you know i i feel like i still have issues of colonization like the how i feel about my hair um oh. like it, it's not good enough unless it's dyed or unless it's braided like i feel so uncomfortable looking at my hair in its natural form it's natural but i don't like the color because it's like a it's like a light brown and it just reminds me of like you know just people's comments when i was younger i always had like the light brown hair and people would be like ah, ah do you have are you malnourished like your fats why why do you have light brown hair as if you have koshako and so <laughs> And so, like, I always remember, I'm like, hey, I don't want people to think I'm malnourished. But, like, fuck, I'm a grown fucking... I dare someone to ask me if I'm malnourished at this age. I'll cuss you out. But, like... And you know what's funny, Jay, <laughs> is that, like, here in Canada, like, lighter hair was seen as, like, beautiful. So, like, having that light brown hair... I think as a kid, I would have loved to have, like, like lighter brown hair. Because my hair <laughs> no. is dark. So, it's so funny how... It's different. Oh my god, people make all kinds of weird comments. Hey Jane, uh uh-uh. uh. Did you eat today? Why is your hair so light brown? Like it was crazy. Um and then my hair was has always been like extremely curly, super kinky, extremely coarse. And I was I think what happens to a lot of us is that we are not taught to actually maintain our hair. And then when we start maintaining our hair at the at the age of 25, we're like, shit, this is a lot of work. But the exactly. truth is, we were never raised to maintain it from young. Mm-hmm. So, is, is, is our hair really difficult to maintain or is the issue that we never got a chance to learn our hair? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a lot. I actually really agree with you because I've heard a lot of people um, say that like they don't they want to wear their hair natural now because there's a whole natural uh, movement mm-hmm. and like a lot of women won't do natural now because they don't know how to maintain it. Yeah, like, like we've been it's like almost like you're trained to think that your hair is a problem. Yes. And if you think your hair is a problem, how are you supposed to maintain it? Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to maintain hair, your natural hair if you've been told that relaxing your hair is easier? Mm-hmm. You know, straight hair is better. Straight hair is more attractive. Straight hair, you know, you just put it in a bun and you go. But if, if you think about it, if you had a chance to learn your hair from the time mm-hmm. that you were born and you you, you sort of had a relationship with your hair then 
it wouldn't be a problem because you would have been used to it it's like if you yeah. walk the streets of of canada right with the nice roads all your life and you try to walk a, a road in my village you'll be like oh god well, i'm dying <laughs> because well, like to change your your thought process because it's not worse you just got trained how to, to maintain hair that's not yours exactly so it's not what i want to say is like it's like walking the streets of canada but you were supposed to really be walking the streets of tokyo or something right you know what i mean like it's still nice and it's still, but it's different like you still can't like you can't read the signs it's mm-hmm. hard you're you're trying to, like you only speak english and the signs are in another language almost. Mm-hmm. and and it, it takes time yeah, because we have to change the way we talk about black hair. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not hard. It's different. Like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, it's not bad. It's, it's not tough. It's it's just different. Your, your hair is not like white people hair. That's all. And that's, that's fine. It. And that is okay. We don't have to have white people hair. This is the exactly. thing, too. We we go on Twitter. I see this a lot on Twitter and Facebook. Like, oh, my God. Today is wash day. I got to do this. I got to do that. Don't ever tell a black woman to go anywhere on wash day. It's a whole day process. You know, and there's this connotation. And, and, I, and I think that those are all meant in, in good faith. But I yeah. think that the problem with that narrative is it, again creates this idea that black hair is a burden that black hair is too difficult and that it's too hard and you need the entire day and maybe that's true but we have to change the way we have these conversations about the process of taking care of our hair imagine if my hair has been relaxed all my life and then i see a tweet saying oh god i gotta wake up at 6 a.m and i gotta condition oh god i gotta you know and then at 10 a.m i gotta do this and then you guys don't even understand the struggle when you call our hair a struggle Uh you are you're you're kind of contributing to that negative you know outlook yeah yeah and so we have to watch the language. I know that it's said, you know, we're going to be like, oh, Jane, you're being too sensitive. You know, it's just banter. But that banter, it, 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 it has a negative impact. Yeah. The same and I think that we have to remember that language is so important. What mm-hmm. we say is important because you might think, oh, it's just banter, but it's, it's not. For other people, it affects them. Exactly. And, you know, words mean things yeah words mean things absolutely so we have to be you know tactful in in how we're we're talking about our hair how we're teaching kids actually you know to talk about their hair i don't know if i'm ever going to reach the point of like really i don't even know where i'm gonna start but like i have such a huge issue with my natural hair Mm. it's like like it has to be dyed if it's out otherwise it has to be braided Mm. and it's it's unfortunate but (laughs) you know that's where i'm at in life right now and 
the way I just come alive when I dye my hair is unbelievable. Yeah. And maybe you can start slow. Like, I don't know how exactly, but maybe dyeing it slowly closer to your natural color. Maybe that would work. I don't know. <laughs> I tried that. Like, I tried doing, like, a dark brown. I, I hated it. I was like, no, this is too... This look. I basically look like myself. Uh-uh. So, <laughs> so I went back. I said, "Dear, you have to change it." Ah, why do I still look like me? Please, change the hair. I don't like it. Um, and you know, it's something that I'm still working through. But let's go to you know, black bodies. Oh, <sighs> now this is a huge issue because black. But when we talk about black bodies, we also have to talk about you know rape culture and how mm. those two how how the perception of black bodies has contributed to um how we perceive or or it's it contributes to like the prevalence of of rape culture mm. um have you heard of i think her name is sarah bartman have you heard of her no Okay. Her, is it she put out a theory or something? Sarah Bartman um was a South African woman. Mm. She was born in 1789. Oh wow. Um yes, so she was a koi koi woman mm. and she was known for her large buttocks. She was exhibited in Europe as a freak show. Oh my god. Named and then. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I didn't know her name though. Yes. But I know this. Yeah. So her, um, she was basically put there as if she was a sort of like a freak show, basically, like an animal in the zoo. Yeah. She died in uh, 1815 at the age of 26 by a quote unquote under undetermined inflammatory alignment called smallpox i think white people killed her but that's yeah. besides the point um this is the thing this is where it started like or at least began because mm -hmm. for a long time black bodies were this you'll see pictures of where white people came to look at black babies in cages as tourist attractions so this woman was looked at because of you know her hips her wide hips her large butt buttocks as like can you imagine she was called a freak show for having her, a naturally black body an african woman for a big buttock Nowadays, like, that's what everybody wants. <laughs> right. The Kardashians did not even bother to get good doctors, but they have them. <laughs> it's funny. I, I think, like, now it's like everybody's, like, dying to get a big box. I remember in high school when I was in Canada, I used to have to get these, like, large shirts that had to cover my bum. I was so, and I don't even have much of a bum, to be honest with you. Mm. But, like, I used to try so hard to cover it. I was so ashamed. 
I, I was so embarrassed that my thighs rubbed together when I walked. I have these like thick thighs. You know, it was such a an embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm. And fast forward, Kim Kardashian goes to her doctor, Dr. Miami, to fix her ass. And now it's, oh, this is the in thing. This is attractive. It's exotic. It's this and that. It wasn't wasn't attractive when it's on us. We were a zoo attraction. Like, whoa. How is that possible to have that big butt? And and now it's on Kim K and everyone's like, yes, we must get a big butt. Mm -hmm. Uh People (laughs) People are literally having like tires in their ass. And cement. I saw that on Dr. Phil. Oh my god. There's a woman who is in prison right now. Um, I think she got life because somebody died. Yeah. Of course she's a black woman and of course they gave her life imprisonment. But um, it's like I don't even know. How can you charge someone with first degree murder if they didn't intend... Yeah. Like, isn't was it, she making? She was like injecting people with like tire things, tire fluid. Ah, uh, but she she was doing it illegally. But okay, if okay, just hear me out. You come to me. Mm. You say, Jane, I heard you're doing ass implants for people. I mm-hmm. say yes. I have this tire fluid. <laughs> right yeah i had a tire fluid because the documents showed that she told them so i say asha oh girl i can hook you up so i i melt tire hmm? and that Uh, i'll shoot that right in your ass and within no time you have a big bum you say oh tire oh of course why not then you die because tire is not supposed to go in anyone's ass yeah. It's not meant for there. Yeah. And now you, you, you're you dead. So. So. Whose fault is it? Is it me that I mean, told you that I have tire thing? Or is it you that I told that I'm putting tire I mean, fluid in your ass? And you said, okay. Technically, it's my fault. Because I knew. Right. What you were injecting into my ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. So technically, it is my my. But it's not pre first degree murder is premeditated murder, meaning I planned to kill you. Yeah, they should not charge her with first degree. I didn't plan to kill you. You came. Yeah. You asked me. I say yes. I have tire this, and then you said, "Oh, tire? Of course." I injected you, and then you died. So, it's not my fault. I mean, God, God rest your soul. And, and, and yes, I shouldn't have been using any tire, anything to do. Any, so, I should be charged with something. I just yeah, don't think. Because you didn't intend for your clients to die. Of course that's not. business. <laughs> to me, I was doing business. And it's not like I was not. Te- and, and. These people are aware that they're not going to a medical professional. 
They know. And again, I say, if you don't have enough money to go see a medical <laughs> professional, you should not get plastic surgery. Exactly. Or if you it. choose, you just need to be ready to die. Sorry. I, I'm sorry to say it like that, but it's like, if you choose or to not do things life, properly. Or if you live, or if you live, you're going to go through a life of pain. Because... Mm-hmm. That shit you put in your like someone was inject. I was watching Doctor Phil. Someone injected like cement into a woman's buttocks. Cement. Cement. You see, and then that woman is going to die, and then she'll come and say, "Oh, the family will be like, you need to charge." But no, not murder. She didn't. She didn't actually murder your family. Your child went looking for cement to be like, guys. You, I promise you, doctors are not working out of their basements. Uh-uh. They don't do that stuff. So if you know that you're not going to a medical professional, you have surely you have to consider the ramifications of what you're doing. Uh-huh. You know, it's like I, I just, and and I'm not saying that the the they should go scot free. Of course. You should be punished for... Th- that's stupid. Why do you want to inject cement into people? Are you dumb? Like, don't do that. That's that's weird. I would... Like, get a job. Get a real job, please. Don't inject anything into people unless you're licensed. Yeah. Basically, to do so. You're not like, an M... Why do you think doctors go to school for 15 years? So they can know how to do these things. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying doctors won't, you won't die at the doctors, but the chances of you dying in a basement are way higher. Yeah. And plus, if you do go into, like, everybody knows that you have, a, you have to sign something so the doctor doesn't get sued mm-hmm. for your death. You know what I mean? It, yeah. So. You have to sign a waiver, yeah. Yeah. But, so. like, the chances of a medical professional messing, like, uh, having a detrimental effect on your procedure is way less than if you went to, you know, Danique in, a, you know, in a basement somewhere. Yeah. It's like, I actually... And don't go to other countries. Oh, God. Like, yeah. That's another thing. Like, a lot of people go abroad to do plastic surgery. Do mm-hmm. not, if you can afford it here whatever country you live in mm-hmm. just don't okay yeah because you don't know if that person like sometimes people get duped into thinking that the person that's doing their procedures are actually doctors <laughs> yeah i want to ask you something though going back to to bar- black bodies yeah. um do you think that the way that we sexualize black bodies Anytime, like, you know, the way that we, we look at black women has contributed in a huge way to the number of, like, the, the, the amount of rape that happens in our community that we don't really talk about. Not just, like, rape, but, like, sexual harassment and the fact that we don't even see it as anything. A hundred percent. Our sexualization of um, black bodies goes... Um, very far back in history. Mm-hmm. So we all know that, like, um, slavery times, we were seen as sexual objects that mm-hmm. could, you could rape for fun if you wanted to. Like, 
white people would just white men would just rape us if they wanted it um mm-hmm. uh so like we're always seen as sexual mm-hmm. but not like a person like our bodies are just this thing that you could just do whatever to mm-hmm. and it's all good and it's all great whereas like a white woman is seen like more as pure you have to be more gentle with her you know mm-hmm. um whereas like black women you don't get that yeah. and it comes back from years and years of oppression mm-hmm. um and just being seen as less than human yeah um, and also they used to experiment on us as well mm-hmm. which was another thing like we can't like there's this whole thing where we can't feel pain even there was like theories that we could not feel pain so therefore you didn't have to worry about like hurting our bodies yes um, so it, it all co- comes together to, and then that's how people view us and it's sad that even our own men view us like that mm-hmm. and it comes from years and years of conditioning us to believe that like some black people don't see we don't even see sometimes we don't even see ourselves as human we don't treat ourselves good mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's very sad and we have a like you know this horrible statistic i was reading before this episode i was doing some research on mm-hmm. um sexual assault in black communities and by the age of 15 one in three black women will be sexually assaulted in one in three um That's a lot. one in four i think one in four black women will have experienced some sort of sexual assault by a family member Mm. um and then of 15 black women only one is likely to go to the police Mm. out of 15 black women only one is likely to go to the police to say they've been assaulted out of those only about 10 percent of cases pertaining to the sexual assault of black women actually lead anywhere mm-hmm. and um in the 60s in america this is and i'm sure it applied everywhere else in the 60s when it was so common for black women to be beaten by black men that they stopped even looking into the cases police officers would actually say oh that's what you your your, you people do your men beat you that's just life Mm -mm. when i was reading the trevor noah um book he talked about that same thing when you go to the police and you report because probably the police also beat their wives Mm -hmm. actually they said (laughs) 25% 25% of police officers in Canada are wife beaters. <sighs> but anyway, because they won't get charged. Like, who's going to charge a police officer? Mm-hmm. But he was saying that, you know, his mom would go to the police multiple times and, like, they'll be like, ah, stop pissing off your husband. And so I feel like 
we don't really value black women and like black bodies really but particularly yeah. the the bodies of black women yeah. um and it contributes to like you know there was a there was a serial killer in, who went to prison like about maybe in november last year who said oh i didn't think anyone would catch me because i was killing black women it's sad but it's like this is shocking but it's also not shocking yeah you know like i know what goes on in the community mm-hmm. and i know that this stuff happens and mm-hmm. i know that like the one person that's never ever ever protected in mm-hmm. any society whether it's in africa or it's in in the west is black women mm-hmm. and we're, so we're, we're somehow always responsible for our own sexual assaults exactly when it, when it pertains and to black women it's like well you shouldn't have done this and you shouldn't have done that and you shouldn't have you shouldn't, you shouldn't have, have worn that and yeah and honestly it does not matter mm-hmm. it really of does not matter not. what you wear i remember when i was younger i used to hear so you know me i wear very uh modest clothing mm-hmm. and you can rarely ever see any of my shape it's very baggy i normally wear uh like dresses that are baggy i wear things that don't show my shape at all mm-hmm. and i wear hijab mm-hmm. and i wear it for religious re- reasons but also in my family um, i grew up hearing like you know if you dress a certain way you're you're asking to get assaulted mm-hmm. if you go certain places you're asking to be assaulted it was like drilled into my head yeah so when i I thought that, like, if I do good, like, I know that I'm not protected in my mind. As a teenager, I didn't even know what was going on in my mind, but subconsciously, I was wearing these clothing. I was making sure that I don't go out too much or too late because I knew that if something happened to me, it was completely on my shoulders, that there's nobody else that I can go to or, like, get any real justice for anything so i made sure that i was like the best i could possibly be Mm -hmm. right later in my life i realized that like as i grew up i realized it doesn't fucking matter what you wear Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter like if you never go out at night no it doesn't because if that was the case we would all be doing it exactly like even as, as baggy as my clothes were and as, as as good as I tried to be, I still got sexually assaulted, yeah. you know? So it it does not matter what I tell women, it does not matter. And it was not your fault, it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, don't let people think make you think that you are, um, that you are responsible for the things that happened to you because you can do everything right and you're still going to go through those things yeah and it's it's disturbing that as black women we know so many of each other that have been sexually assaulted like i barely know i (laughs) and those are people who haven't shared 
Mm-hmm. But what I will say is, if all of my female friends, all of my female black friends, have been sexually harassed. Mm-hmm. How many? How many men will tell you that they're always sexually harassed? Constantly. I remember when I was younger. I I've always been the bigger of the the pack, like bigger, fat, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want to use. So. You know, my aunties would always say, you know, I remember this one time we went to the village for Christmas. You know, we were there and these uncles kept pulling me and being like, oh, this is going to be our wife. I was around seven years old. Oh, she's going to be our wife, our wife. So I started crying and I went to my, I went to one of my aunties and I said, this is what these men are saying. These are grown men, like my auntie's husband's. And I started crying and I'm like, this is what they're saying. Then I, I come down. Hmm? And they're joking. And and what do you expect? You, 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 you're fat. You already look like a woman. So, of course, they don't see the child in you. You already look like yeah. a woman. Yeah. And I was just like, so for, like, and I heard that all the time you know when my my aunties would buy clothes for my cousin like mine had to be longer or baggier so that i wouldn't attract men because i had a a fatter body that looked like that of a woman mm. and like so that carried on now till today where you know i i feel some like i'm i wouldn't say that i have low self esteem but I definitely have issue issues with my body image. Like I'm constantly just sort of worried about being perceived in a sexual way and oh. thinking that, you know, maybe because I'm, I always say like, you know, maybe because I'm fat, men will leave me alone. But it, also that doesn't work. Men yeah. bother everybody. And I think like, as women, whether we know it or not, we're always thinking about ways to, like, ward off attention from men. Mm-hmm. And we think that that's going to keep us safe. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Literally, it does not matter. And rape is not about do. attention. It's about control. Yeah. And it's about, like, dehumanizing women and mm-hmm. when when we you know all these things come into play when we're talking about well black women are strong well black women are you know they can take anything then you know when things happen to us it's not a big deal i'm sick and tired of that saying like black women are strong right that doesn't i'm not superhuman just because I'm a black woman does not mean that I'm superhuman and I can take everything. Mm-hmm. I'm a human being. Stop telling me I'm so strong because that gives the idea that anything that happens to me, I can handle. Yeah. When the truth is that I need to be held with care. Mm-hmm. Okay? I'm sick and tired of people saying, oh, well, you're a strong girl. You can, you'll make it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, why don't you just give me compassion and allow me to to cry and feel things and go through things instead of trying to say I'm strong. It's not comforting to say I'm strong. You know what it makes me feel like? 
it makes me feel like like I'm less than mm-hmm. when I realize that you know what I can't handle this. So there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sick and tired of hearing that. There's nothing wrong with you. You're a human being. Exactly. <laughs> and you have every right to to cry about it and to take your time with it and feel. I'm just, ah. Yeah. It's um yeah. I wanna talk about also the the connotation around you know you know just continuing with this pain conversation so there's a meme uh i'm gonna read you this article um gucci Mane is criticized for praising wife keisha kior for staying with him through his infidelities and drug abuse um and so it reads everyone wants this but what y'all forget is she was wild. Gucci was on drugs. Gucci cheating. Gucci was in jail. Gucci was public publicly with other women. This is Gucci after therapy rehabilitation. This is a street man groomed in his thirties after he has been at his lowest point. Let me tell you something that I'm not about to do. This is the other thing. You niggas, you think that it is the job of black women to raise you after your mothers you must be mad so so and this idea that that in order for a black woman to be deserving of love is she has to be a ride or die why like she has to go through hell and high water just to be with good have you looked at yourself Jay, Jay, it's because we're strong. We can handle anything. <laughs> I am I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. I don't, uh, you know what? You don't have to be with him. He cheated on you, you can leave. You can fucking he's, he's leave. You can leave. You can leave. If it's too much for you, you can leave. Like, I, I don't want to be a ride guy. <laughs> I am not a ride or die. Let me tell you guys right this minute. I'm not a ride or die. Where do you think this idea comes from that in order for black women to be deserving of anything good, that this this idea that they have to struggle to be deserving of love from these men, they have to be mistreated first before they realize that before the men and they have they have to do the job of mothering these black men or men in general actually where do you think that connotation comes from i think it comes from a number of things like i said like the idea that we're strong and we can handle anything that's Mm -hmm. a big one Mm -hmm. and then there's also the fact that we have generations of these kinds of relationships yes amen to that we have generations upon generations upon generations of black women literally carrying their husbands on their back. <laughs> literally. Like, you know, I grew up with, I, my, my parents had one of the worst marriages known to man. Um, uh-huh. Terrible, terrible, terrible marriage. My mother did everything. 
Mm-hmm. My dad's favorite thing to say when I was, you know, when for the the short time that my parents were together, um, well, they were together for a long time, but like only like eight years of my life, mm-hmm. and my dad would always be like, "Ah, oh, go ask your mother, ask your mom, yeah, ask your mom, ask your mom, ask your mom." <laughs> you know, yeah. he didn't want to know about anything. You know what I mean? And like, I used to tell, my mom used to take all kinds of bullshit from my dad. I couldn't believe it. And I always told her like, you, like, you are the best mom ever. And I would never trade you, but nah, I'm sorry, but I would have killed him. Long time. He would have been dead. Because she took so much, and, and I guess, you know, abuse starts from, you know, but if, from my young, from like a certain stage, but like he was so violent. It wasn't until she ended up in a coma in the hospital, that's when she was like, oh, so this could turn deadly, I, I better leave. And that's when she came to Canada. But a lot and of women don't make it alone. There's a lot of women that they don't. Exactly. She would, there are some women that they will come out of the school and be like, okay, let's let's keep going. Mm-hmm. So I mean, my mom, mom kept going spent. for like another year, but then she realized that the violence wasn't stopping. Yeah. And he would do that typical thing where he would cry and, you know, my uncles actually had to have a family meeting and they were like, we didn't give you know men they're like we didn't give you we didn't you didn't pay her bride price so you could beat her to death mm-hmm. but even that wasn't even helpful as if she's property we sold her mm-hmm. to you but we didn't tell you to kill her mm-hmm. so when the violence wasn't stopping she was like okay well i have to he was becoming too too violent mm-hmm. After she came from the hospital. So, you know, and just growing up around that, like, when I even hear a man's, like, when when the key, when the octave in his voice gets high, nah, I don't tolerate that bullshit. And maybe part of it is, like, a lot of trauma, but I'm not allowing any man to treat me the way my dad treated my mom. Yeah, you're very, it's it's a very good thing, Jay, because a lot of women and a lot of children, um, we naturally, we mimic our parents' relationships Mm-mm. in our own relationships. <sighs> and it takes a strong person, I hate saying strong, sorry. It takes someone to realize that's fucked up and I'm going to change it. Yeah. But sometimes it's subconscious. But there was a point in my life when I was 19 and I was dealing with this guy who used to, and this is shocking, but he used to insult me. Oh, wow. He used to be like, you're so clumsy. Da, 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 da. And at that time, you know, I was like, you know, I was like, I'm not having sex with you. We just met. Like, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, we had only known each other for, like, what? We'd known each other for, like, two years, but then decided to to date. Um, but then he started kind of disrespecting me. Mm-hmm. And he would always be like, you're so, you're so stupid and clumsy. 
and because i was fat and had like low self esteem i always mm. felt like i was fortunate that somebody wanted to date me like it yep. was like of course who else is and he used to that like I, i used to be like who else is going to date me everybody who had a boyfriend around me was not fat like me so mm. i was like oh so you mean people can like somebody that looks like me And so I just went with the only guy who showed interest. Mm. Um and it wasn't until he tried to like force himself on me that's when I was like you have to leave and I called my thankfully I lived in a basement apartment. Yeah. And I knew I couldn't call my mom because my mom would be like what is a man doing in your house? What do you yeah. expect of men? Of course he came here to rape you. Of course. What do you expect? So there was no way I could call my mom. Yeah. And so that was the first and last time a male has been allowed by himself in my home that, you know, in term in that context like of dating. Mm. Like I've never and I've never I haven't even dated since then. Now that was 10 years ago. <laughs> Just be like, like I haven't dated since then. It's affecting you that much. I can't. Like I literally I'm constantly like what if this guy does this? What if he does this? What if he does this? Like I'm always cuz that's he was like if you have sex you'll even lose weight. You won't be this fat. And I was like no, I'm not believe. having sex with you. I'm not doing it. And I had these yeah. emergency lights that I hit for my la- for the landlord to come downstairs. And like mm-hmm. he was this white man. He like screamed at him and the guy, you know, he had to leave. Yeah. Thank God you had that. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah. It could have ended horribly. Because yeah. and because why? Because I kept telling he was and it's not like there were no signs. The signs were there. He was yeah. always calling me stupid, clumsy, dumbass, you know, like just And I think that's another thing, like I feel like a lot of But I was like he hasn't women... beaten me yet, so I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. A lot of uh, women think abuse of relationship, he has to be beating you. When it really any kind of a form of abuse is abuse. Yeah. He was verbally abusing you and had you stayed in that relationship eventually he would have started hitting you. Mhm. He used to be like, you know, I can marry you anytime if I want, you know, like and you won't be able to do anything about it about it and, and they, if I want I'll cheat they, on you. Like just stuff and I can't uh, believe I used to take that bullshit. I mean, they see like abusers, they normally cause people with very low self-esteem. Yeah. So because they know that like oh who else is going to love you you know like yeah like and that's said, truly like, how i felt yeah i felt that i was too fat to be liked or desired and and that's the message that you get that being fat is not attractive exactly so i grew up um i was always chubby i was always bigger right mm-hmm. and so my whole life I thought of myself as unattractive. I didn't think I was beautiful mm-hmm. because of how fat I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it created um that a barrier of like possible relationships because I would think, oh, like who would ever want to be with me? I'm fat. So even when someone sh- when a man showed interest in me, I would think it was like a joke kind of or like 
he wasn't really interested in me or he felt bad for me. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, so I always shut it down because I was like, if I don't like myself, who's going to like me? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I never like got into a proper relation. Even to this day, I'm not, I've never been in a proper relationship Yeah. because of my own insecurities with my body. And a lot of it comes from being overweight. Yeah. And I still have a little bit of that, of course. Yeah. Especially when I go out with, like, my... They're not skinny, but my friends who are not fat. Mm. And, like, I have a friend and her and I, like, she's really supportive. Her and I weigh the same. And so I always call her and I'm like... You know, like, one time I went to Afrofest Mm -hmm. with two of my friends and not that i want male attention i literally have a bitch look on my face when a man breathes around me yeah so but there was something that felt weird like i was standing there with two of my friends and like guys would come over mm-hmm. pass by me <laughs> and like go talk to my friends at one point like i would just like, I would get out of the circle so they could talk to other guys. Like, yeah. it was so uncomfortable. That happens to me all the time. I'm always, like, the sort of the ugly duckling on the side. I know that my friends don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But it's always so, like, it's always so uncomfortable. So I'm always like, I don't want to go to these parties with you guys because I don't want to be sitting there like the ugly stepsister that no one is talking to while you guys yeah. engage in conversations with other men. And yeah. I'll be there looking like, you know, like, okay, I'll just be over here. Like, it's weird. And so I avoid parties at all costs. Yeah. Because not that I, and I, and I don't even think that the issue is that, I've actually never talked about this, but I don't even think the issue is that I want male attention. But there's something very odd when you go out with, like, five of your friends and then to, like, a party and then you are the one left to the side while they chat it up with other, with, with guys. Mm-hmm. While nobody, ta- no one talks to you. It's like, okay. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just not a good feeling. It's not. And I don't know why it's not a good, I, like, I don't know why I feel some type of way about it, but I do. Yeah. Like, I wish I didn't feel that way, but there's something very shameful about that. And then I start wondering, like, okay, is it because I'm so large? Like, like you know, is it because I'm if ugly? You're yourself. Yeah, yeah, you're ugly. I'm like, do I look like an elephant today? Like, what's going on? Like, um, and so I'm trying to, I, I started this 30-day challenge because I need to get to a place where my body is not a source of shame for me anymore and i don't know if weight loss will fix that like for me i have lost i had lost a lot of weight at one point Mm -hmm. um and people would say oh you're not fat anymore right but i still felt fat (laughs) exactly i didn't feel happy with my weight even though my weight was relatively normal exactly you know and i thought oh i need to lose more weight because Mm -hmm. i still when i looked in the mirror i still saw 
fat Asha. Yeah. You know? And then also I have, like, issues with food where I, I love food, but then I hate it. Because yes. I see it as the source of my my fatness, but then also it's my source of joy. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I get such joy from eating good food, and I love, I'm a foodie. Everybody knows this. But then at the same time, I feel so, so much guilt when I eat. <laughs> yeah, yes. And there's, like, a... There's this like shame that you feel when you eat like a cup of rice. You're like, oh my god, you like. I start talking to myself like, you never learn. You're always, and I feel like when people look at me, they're always like, but Jane is not serious. But the truth is, I'm having a hard time with my brain being like, you're taking away your protection from because in a lot of ways, you know, especially having experienced sexual assault. It's a protection that men don't like me or don't find me attractive. Because in yeah. my foolish head, I'm thinking, then I won't be assaulted again because nobody thinks I'm attractive. The fat is like protection. It's protect The fatness protects me. Now, if I take yeah. that away and I start getting attention, the chances of being assaulted again are higher. But at mm. the same time, I'm uncomfortable being fat. Let's talk about the physical challenges of being fat. Like, truthfully, it's uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable. It's not comfortable to be fat. And, and, I, and I feel like people don't talk about this. And I'm not telling anybody to lose weight. But the truth of the matter is when you're way, way bigger than, you know, your height. And, you know, like, your knees can't take it. <laughs> you know? Your back is like, oh, girl, the breast is too heavy for us. You know, yeah. your thighs are always rubbing. It's annoying to be fat. And but also, you know, I like warm <clears throat> weather. Mm -hmm. But I noticed that since I put on weight, like I recently put on a lot of weight, mm -hmm. I can't enjoy the warm weather you because know? I'm sweating from head to toe, Jay. Yes! Like, I go for a walk at 7 in the morning. Oh, I have to come home and lift my breast because there's so much sweat. Like, so being fat is you know like it's uncomfortable it's not it's not like a funny you're always breathing heavily you get tired quickly you walk slower than your friends your friends won't even wait for it i was telling my friends guys i'm fat can you calm down like walk slower and they mm -hmm. don't get it because they're not fat they don't know my struggle yeah but in a weird way and i i remember talking to my therapist about this I was like, but I love that no man even looks my way ever. Mm. I feel that I'm protected. Mm. And so, but I know that I'm obviously lying to myself. Mm. Part, the other thing is I, I, you know, I don't go anywhere. Like when the, when it gets dark outside, most likely you won't find me outside. Same. Oh my God, James! <laughs> you know, because for you, like again, like when you're growing up, you hear, "Oh, women are not supposed to go out when it's dark." You know what will happen to you? Yeah. So, like I'm always protecting myself. Always, and and, and it can get exhausting. Exhausting. And when guys, yeah. I remember in high school, this guy, he was in my math class. 
and he like he sent me messages being like oh i i really like you or whatever like that type of stuff mm-hmm. and then when i'm he's like call me so i called mm-hmm. him and i'm like hello and then they all started laughing yeah and then they were you like see, you really thought I, I liked your like you really thought i liked the ugliest girl in notre dame like come on that's so rude but you know that's what i was trying to say like like that never happened to me mm-hmm. in the back of my mind i always thought if someone shows you interest it means they're making a joke especially when i was younger exactly i did not believe that anyone could find me attractive yeah and i think in a lot of ways like i'm still in that place yeah sort of like i mean i don't i don't see myself as... the way mm-hmm. can i say something when yeah. you lose the weight you have i feel worse when i lose the weight why really because, why because i'm always fearing that i'm gonna get it back if yeah. i even have it i'm like oh I'm going to get fat again. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get fat again. <laughs> and I mean, I did get fat again, but like... <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. But, but I'm so okay, sorry. Funny, right? But, um... No, it's, not funny. it's not funny. Like... I was uh... very stressed, Jane, when I lost weight. Very stressed. Mm-hmm. Because I was so scared of going back. Right. And then I ended up going back anyway. no like this is crazy okay i need to my therapist retired but clearly i you know there's a lot of work to be done um on my end yeah for sure and i think i i I i've talked to my therapist and i haven't been officially diagnosed with anything Mm -hmm. but i definitely have eating issues food issue <clears throat> yeah. that I've been trying to work through because you know being fat my whole life has really affected my my mental well-being <laughs> yeah it no you know? it does and and I hear that loud and clear it really does and I was just you know thinking about this the other day like how long I've just been in like this sort of prison where yeah. I've never worn sleeveless, I've never worn a skirt, I've never worn a dress really. And when I do, I'm extremely uncomfortable. I feel like, oh my God, you know? Oh Um, my God. I feel so close to you right now. Like, (laughs) the one time I wore- Everybody that knows me knows I hate my hands with a pretty passion. Like my arms, I hate them. Mm -hmm. I cannot go outside, listen. I cannot go outside without a long sleeve. I can't even go outside with a tight long sleeve. Because yeah. <laughs> I hate the shape of my hands, my yeah. arms, I mean. Yeah. I think they're so fat. <laughs> yeah, and mine have like stretch marks. So definitely like this. We could go on about this topic all day, but. Um, and I can't wear anything um, that's not baggy. You know this thing. You've seen me. Yeah. Have you ever seen me without anything baggy? No, and it's always long. Exactly. Like to the brim. <laughs> like two, like guys, like to her ankles. <laughs> like. 
And then she wears like closed shoes. You can't even see the girl's toes, guys. <laughs> From, hey, sometimes. Like, I think twice. I've never toes. seen your toes. Stop lying. I, I came to uh, internship with uh, flip-flops. No, you've never. You always wear you because you're like the running shoes are more comfortable walking. I've asked you like, Asha, where are your toes? I would like to see something. <laughs> And you're like, no, you know, <laughs> these are more comfortable to walk in. I, I will say I got shoes from Skechers. And you know the shoes from Skechers? I paid $100 for it. But yeah. God, it's like walking on clouds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so light, but it's yeah. so ugly. Oh, Lord. Okay, so my final question is, how do we fix this? Where I mean I know that's a loaded question, but yeah. in terms of this conversation, mm-hmm. how do you think it can be meaningful? Like to the point where like it's creating change, because I feel like some of the sometimes we we talk, but the talking is not even meaningful. I think conversation heals, but it has to be a conversation that is worth having you can't just talk for the sake of talking so yeah how do we need to sort of talk about these things who needs to be involved and and things like that um i think that black women we have to um uplift ourselves because i feel like we're trendsetters mm-hmm. and once we start uplifting ourselves others will follow behind us, mm. right? And I think that, um, like, if you are a person that's thinking of making a business or, um, like, a way to represent, um, like, black women, black bodies, mm-hmm. dark skin, bigger bodies, like, a way to represent us, in a way, like, if you, like, in whatever your profession is, Mm -hmm. to help uplift it, like, if you're into business, like, make clothes that are, like, flattering for bigger women, you know, Mm -hmm. or, like, um, if you're into, like, media or entertainment, like, highlighting our voices, but also highlighting our, our beauty. Yeah, our beauty, yes, highlighting the beauty of black women in all shapes and sizes. And I think even in a small way, like me and you could, like, even regular people, you could do things on social media, like, you can leave nice comments for people, Uh, you could um, maybe, like, post pictures of beautiful black women, Mm -hmm. and, like, on your Instagram page, you know, like, oh, I love how this look she looks amazing or something like little things and also like uplift the women in your life definitely we have to definitely start uplifting each other for sure if i see you jane and you're wearing something so nice i I can make it a point to be like girl you look great today look at that you know and like other people not only you but like other people i know you Mm. don't like to be complimented (laughs) (laughs) again it's it's the trauma of thinking that the person doesn't mean it. So, yeah, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, being nice to each other and just realizing that 
black women, there's nobody in our corner, so we have to be in our corner. We have to do it. Yeah. Because I don't know anyone who else is going to do it. Yeah. Which is This so is sad, true. We only have each other. Exactly. So we really have to be nice to, and kind to each other and uplift each other. Mm-mm-mm. Well, on that note, that's it. Um, this is the second last episode. Uh, I can't believe we've we've reached like ten, so almost ten. I know. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.